The subterranean lifestyle has its benefits, and many small animals make their beds below the earth. From the sleeping cicada to the idle fox, the shelter of the sand and soil roof provides protection from predatory prowlers. But there's one flaw in this tactic. What if someone or something can fit into your hiding place? The shield-tailed Agama isn't willing to leave any attack unprepared for. He's developed an interesting way to enter Dreamland. But covering all your bases is one way to beat insomnia in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this episode's artwork, as with all the episodes. Uh, if, to see his uh, art, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at LDTaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about a spike-covered tush that lives out in the bush. <laughs> but more on that later. Uh, so what we're talking about is the shield-tailed agama. I'm sure you know. You automatically have a picture in your mind of what that is. Yeah, like what, what? it could be anything. I, when I looked this up, I had no idea what I was about to look at. <laughs> I was like, this could be a, a bird or a snake or something. Like, who knows? Agama almost sounds like some sort of uh, ungulate. Yeah, it could totally be like a like a kind of antelope. Yeah, or an, some sort of African ungulate. Um, but it's none of those things. It is... Well, we're going to call it here. I mean, it has a couple of uh, other nicknames. It's also called the Dwarf Shield-Tailed Agama. Um, which is the most recent class in World of Warcraft. Um, <laughs> it's also called Taylor's Strange Agama, um, starring David Harbour and uh, and uh, Winona Ryder. And it's also called the Turnip-Tailed Agama, starring nobody, because they're turnips. But we're going to call it here the Lopsided Lizard. Uh, spoiler alert, it's a lizard. And the beady bearded bum flap basker. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, but let's taxonomize this lizard. We're actually doing a lizard this time. I think last, the last pseudo lizard we did was the Tuatara. And it's not really a lizard, but this one is. Uh, the kingdom is the one you know, love, and are in, and that one is Animalia. The phylum is. Chordata. The class is Reptilia, not Reptilla. Uh, the order is Squamata, because all lizards are in Squamata, all true lizards. The suborder is Iguania, and the family is Agamidae. I don't have a joke for that one. <laughs> um, and the the genus is Xenagama, which we're pretty good. We one. were talking earlier. It was like. What did you say it sounded like? Uh, I thought it sounded like an ancient Japanese uh, sword style. Like it's not what I said earlier, but now it's it smacks of Power Ranger villain. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. The the evil emperor Xanagama is gonna come to Earth, and we need to get into our super mech to to fight him. Or for that matter, a Godzilla villain, Mothra. Ah, oh, I forgot what the name of the three headed dragon from the second movie is. Gamora. Really? <laughs> no, it's Ghidorah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, oh, anyway, so the genus is, yes, Xenogama and the species is Taylori. Taylori. After Taylor Swift? Yeah. Right, right, yeah. No, it's after the person that discovered. I, I knew this uh, lizard was trouble when it walked in. <laughs> but since we're in the business of naming things, uh, it's not time for critter groups. Because this is the third lizard we've done in the last, like, uh, ten episodes. So, not only have do we already know what the collective noun is, which is a lounge, if you've missed our lizard episodes, and we also know what their uh, babies are called, which are hatchlings, if you missed the Tuatar episode. Um, so, I've had to kind of scrounge for a, uh, a new little quiz to give you, and we've landed on municipal mascots. Also, yeah, Nitty... Nitty gritty nomenclature wouldn't work because Xenogama just means, you know, this genus of lizards. It doesn't mean anything in what sounds like Japanese. Um, and Taylori is just this guy's Taylor, his name with an I at the end, like Pink Floydy. <laughs> um, so n- nothing really to explore there linguistically, but we'll talk about municipal mascots instead. So. The shield-tailed agama is native to the Horn of Africa, specifically uh, eastern Ethiopia and Somalia. So, Joe, what is the national animal of Somalia? Is it A, the elephant shrew, B, the Somali cheetah, C, the dromedary camel, or D, the Nile crocodile? The dromedary camel, final answer. You're correct. How did you, (laughs) did you know that? I just, it just struck me as the truth. Really? Yeah. You have amazing intuition. Well, because I know, I know camels changed the game for North, for crossing the desert in like the Northern part of Africa. I know, but like our national animal is a bald eagle and it's not like we... Like having a bald eagle changes your family's livelihood, except for you go to jail. No, they're just cool. They're just, yeah, it's just a cool animal. So I, th- I thought that maybe that <laughs> that same logic would um, you think might translate over to East African countries. But I, that's a, uh, okay. So let's talk about what this guy looks like. The shield-tailed agama. What could it possibly look like? This is another egregious case of only pet information. Correct. Yes. This was really hard to to pin down because everyone was just talking about how to take care of it. In which it really it, it does pollute um it does pollute the like Google search, but you can usually get past that if you like look at Google Scholar or something. Nah, no one's talking about this. Oh, yeah, this. I went to page six of Google, which is just a wasteland for, for any search. And uh, and I still only found 
either just like bare bones taxonomic information or uh, pet information. I found this animal on the uh, Jill Sartor uh, photo arc. Have you heard of that? On National Geographic? Yeah, the guy is like taking a picture of every animal. Mm -hmm. So I saw a picture of it. I'm like, that looks really cool. There must be something interesting about this. And mm, I've there is, but it's just deep and hard. To as find. I um, when I whenever I go and look for new candidates to do this show on, um, I'm intrigued by interesting looking animals, but usually I'm let down. Usually I'm like, this is a really interesting or cool or crazy looking animal. Um, but because this is an audio only medium and I, we have to describe it and you can't look at the pictures. Uh, there has to be something actually interesting about what it does or what it uses its looks for. And usually it's like there's there's just not much to go on. Or it's just a regular animal that happens to look crazy like this. Yeah, I mean, you would assume that... I mean, there is a reason whether we know it or not whenever there's an animal with a strange anatomy. Right, but that... I mean, the reason's usually just like sexual selection or something like that. And it's like, okay, right. well, this this... You know, shark has a giant horn coming out of its head because that's what the ladies like. <laughs> uh, which, which I don't think there is a shark with a horn. No, but I, it was just a, it's just a outlandish example. Humor that's the, what you just said was true for narwhals. They're not sure. They're still not sure about that because female narwhals have tusks, as well. True. But they do. They did find that the bigger the male's tusk, the more success he has. Yeah, and it's like got open nerve endings or something like that. So it'd be really anyway. Listen to our narwhal episode. It's it's fascinating. Um, if I do so say so myself, <laughs> we're very entertaining. Um, all right, let's talk about what the the shield-tailed agama looks like. So it looks like you're like a typical bearded dragon with like a dash of horny toad. There, they. I saw one thing that was like, is this the better, better, uh, bearded dragon to own? Maybe if you wanted to own, don't learn about it. Just own it. You know, don't. <laughs> Apparently, it's pretty hardy, which I guess is why it would be better. So I guess you can forget about it for a couple of weeks, and it'll still be alive. So. That's what we that, want. That's pet. something we can neglect. That's pet ownership for you. <laughs> Prime pet ownership. Um, but well, to be fair, that is something you want in a pet. Something that is not, not a chin, not like a no, not an Alaskan pika who needs it to be a specific temperature. You want your pet to, to like, be a python where you feed it a mouse once a month. To be totally fine with, even if you're an idiot, you know. <laughs> Uh, or busy and probably shouldn't have gotten a pet in the first place. But yes, if you can picture a bearded dragon, then you've pretty much got the shield-tailed agama in your head. Um, it's spikier than a bearded dragon, so that's why I said it's got elements of horny toad in it. Do you want to listen to our horny toad episode? I think that's episode like four. First, I think it's the first time we ever did a squamata. Yeah, right out of the gate. Uh, it's definitely the first time we ever did a squamata, but yeah, it's it's like I think it's episode four. Um, so yeah, all the way back before Measure Up, before Critter Groups, before Fast Facts and Major Facts, and before intonations in our voices. Yeah, back when we were just we were only 
uh, educational and not entertaining. But now we're hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, if, in case you don't know what a bearded dragon looks like, it is a lizard with a large head, wide squat body, short arms and legs. Uh, it has spiny scales and two large ear holes on either side of its skull. And its scales are a mottled brown and tan color, but males will sometimes have their turn their throats bright blue during mating season, which is interesting. I like animals that are blue because there's just not a lot of them. It's just this in the cassowary, basically, right? And a couple frogs. And a bunch of, like, birds of paradise. Oh, yeah. They do have some blue in them. Um, it's purple that there aren't that many things. Right, there. right. Like the Malabar giant squirrel, maybe a little bit. And the purple <laughs> yeah. frog. Maybe go, a little Go bit. check out both of those. The purple frog is definitely purple. On pur- line. Purple brown. Uh, the Malabar giant squirrel might be purple. Um, anyway. Uh, but, yeah. So, during mating season, these... Uh, lizards will have bright blue throats and adolescents will sometimes also have white spots uh, dotted across their bodies but these fade as they age and um, yeah that's basically how they're sexually dimorphic is the the uh, bright blue throats although females have a can their throats can be like a light tinge of blue but it's definitely not as vibrant as with a lot of animals in the animal kingdom the males are more vibrant so that leads us to the beloved measure up segment the official listener's favorite part of the show the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for not just me not just you but for the whole family dogs do it's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying singing or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy.com at gmail.com. At, L, uh, at gmail.com. LDTaxonomy at dot At just the internet. We, <laughs> <laughs> our email is just the entire dot com verse. Uh, not dot ninja. We don't have a new measure up intro this week. This is becoming, this is, this is a little bit depressing. Can we get some measure ups, please? You listeners. But that means we get to hear from an animal and Carl says to guess what it is. Bring it on. Without <laughs> further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. It sounds like sounds Is like raining that... blood. <laughs> the hardest part of guitar here the guitar hero three uh lineup. What is that? A song by... Ah, uh, I don't remember who sings the song, but at the end it goes like... Darkness imprisoning me. So, is that A... Oh, it's by Slayer. Sorry. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Is it an Atlas Day gecko? Is it B, a barn owl? Is it C, a cane toad? Or is it D, a Douglas squirrel? I did your thing. <laughs> with the, with all the the... A, all the letters matching the uh, first letter of the name. Oh. Of the when you have a squelchy, high-pitched sound, it could be a lot of so things. Gecko, owl, squirrel, and... Cane toad cane and toad. squirrel. All right. I don't think it's the cane toad. It could, definitely could be a squirrel. Citizen cane toad. <laughs> uh, cane toad and Abel. 
I was like an adult before I realized that the sound I hear all the time in Florida, which is sort of like that, is a squirrel and not a bird of some kind. Are you giving me a hint? A strong hint? Maybe. Maybe. Or is it a red herring? I'd, it's I'd, not a red herring. I'll give you a hint. It's not a red herring. It doesn't sound like a herring at all to me. <laughs> I just, uh, I used... Ha- I thought they were fish. I used a uh, herring last night in a categories game. Some, a red herring? in the ocean that starts with an H. Oh, nice. Um, Could have gone Humboldt Squid. Call back to our first episode. This is this episode's just a big advertisement for all of our other, other episodes. Since since it's kind of light on on the major. Yeah, facts. we have to kind of uh, hey go listen to other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a clip show. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm gonna say uh the the squirrel. I'm gonna say the the Douglas squirrel. Douglas squirrel. Final answer. It could. I don't even know if a du- the Douglas squirrel is a real thing, but we'll go with it. It is a real thing. Final answer. Yes. The correct answer was barn owl. Ah, oh, that was a, that was like I I swerved from that at the last second. I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, maybe owl. I can totally see a squirrel making that sound. Uh, the squirrels make th- very similar to that. I wonder if it's so they can hide from owls. It's like I'm not gonna go hunting over there. There's another owl. Yeah, but the squirrels are diurnal, so true. So, are you ready to talk about some sizes and dimensions? Yes. Okay, so let's talk length. There are three to three point five inches, or eight point eight centimeters. How many agamas go into the distance away? You can clearly hear the largest air horn in the world. Here's a hint. This isn't necessarily an official record. But I can't find a bigger horn. Uh, it was made by Mark Robber, a former NASA engineer that has a YouTube channel where he makes crazy things like a giant super soaker um, and this giant air horn. It took about eight months to make. They could clearly hear the horn standing far enough away for it to take more than 10 seconds for the sound to get there. Ooh. And it was even able to shatter glass. What you're looking for is in the video, they the farthest away they stood and could still hear it. You might be able to stand farther away and still hear it, but this is what they recorded in the video. Okay. So am I, I'm, am I figuring out what that distance was? Yeah, and how many, how many lizard agamas go into it. Okay. So... And the reason I chose this is because they live on the Horn of Africa. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I took what I think I remember the speed of sound to be and Because of lightning? What? Is this because of lightning? Cuz that's cuz they tell you to count after a lightning strike, they tell you to count how many a certain amount of times before the thunder and then that tells you how many miles it is. I don't think away. that's a accurate way of doing it. But uh, I just figured if it if it takes ten seconds to reach you, then and sound moves at I want to say seven hundred and fifty miles an hour, somewhere in the seven hundreds I know. Um, and so I divide that into seconds, and then multiply that by the ten seconds that it takes to get to person hearing it clearly in your example that brings us to a little bit over two miles away 
But there's also other variables, like because it's based, it's vibration yes. of air molecules. H- humidity uh, is a big one. H- temperature, the d- air density, the thickness of the air. Yeah, temperature and density are pretty closely related. So, but that's all I have to go on because I don't know what those factors are. I don't. I'm sure you could hear the air horn a lot clearer uh, at sea level in Florida than you could uh, on the top of Mount St. Helen. Who knows? Um, so yeah, we're gonna go two miles away. Although that doesn't sound that doesn't seem like a lot. I don't know. That's all I got to go with. Two miles. So the answer is probably ten miles, but we'll go with two because math. It's ten thousand five hundred sixty feet. You said three point five inches. Yes. All right, 36,205. Final answer? Uh-huh. 36,200, 36, we'll say that. So I said it took more than 10 seconds. Yeah, that's all I got. It could be. It could take 20 seconds. It could take uh, an hour. But It took 11 seconds. <laughs> the correct answer was 45,720 lizards. Ooh, I was very close. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but like... Uh, he was able to hear it. Clearly standing 2.5 miles away. Ah, yeah. The the way it sounded, it sounded like he could stand three, four, five miles away and maybe still hear it a little. But that's what he did. And he didn't post how big it was or any dimensions. So yeah, I I want to see a picture of that real bad. It looks like it's about between six and ten feet long. I'm Uh, just picturing a giant can with a big, a big like spout on it that's exactly what it is oh really i thought it but then when i thought about it i was like it's probably like a big machine not like a no it's can. like a it's a huge can of compressed air with a giant so did you know that air air horns work by just r- shooting compressed air over a membrane and then the there's the horn uh shape that helps sound be louder and so it's like funneled. when you take a when you take a balloon that's full of air and you just stretch out the top of it and it makes like a like a really high pitched sound. It's just doing that, but times a thousand. It was like a lower sound, almost like a uh, ship's horn. Is that just what ship's horns are? Those just a giant air horn. The more you know. I imagine fog horns are like that. Is it compressed air? So let's talk weight. They're about 20 grams. How many uh, uh, agamas go into the weight of coffee that's produced by Ethiopia per year? Uh, what is that, what is that in ounces? I don't know. What is that in American? Okay, I'm looking it up. It's 0.7 ounces. Ounces are too big. They are. The amount of coffee that's produced in Ethiopia every year? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. It could be none. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much... Uh, I don't, know, I don't know if they do coffee at all. If it grows. Well, here's a hint. Ethiopia's elevation and climate make it one of the one of the world's top coffee producers. The United States buys around 11% of the country's total coffee exports. All right. Well, that shut me up. I've had Ethiopian coffee. You can get it at your local coffee shop. I'm not a, I'm not a coffee uh, aficionado. aficionado connoisseur. I'm like, ooh, well, this one says Dunkin' Donuts on it. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably in the millions of tons. If they're, you said the third largest, third great, uh, highest producer of coffee behind like they, 
no, Brazil and Colombia. They're just one of the top producers in the world. Oh, okay. So up there with Colombia. Uh, All right, I'm going to say a million tons, just because that's uh, a big number and a big unit of measurement. What's your Ethiopian coffee production? Is it a million? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, a million, sir. A million tons, which means it's two billion pounds, which is thirty-two billion ounces, twenty-two point four billion. Liz, uh, shield-tailed agamas go into the weight of all of the coffee exported by Ethiopia every year. Final answer. Mm-hmm. The correct answer is 10 billion agamas. Oh, I got the number of digits right. <laughs> but I was about half off. It was they, they, I guess they export about 500,000 200 200,000 metric tons of coffee. Did I do my math really wrong then? How could I get to that? What kind of tons were you doing? Oh, I guess I was doing just the regular 2,000 pound tons. Now, these are metric tons. Tones. Oh, T-O-N-N-E-S. Yeah. Whatever that means. It's a metric ton. I, I figured. Ton not based on pounds. You got any fast facts before we get into the major fact? I sure do so the shield-tailed agama was discovered in the 1930s by a british army officer named captain taylor and that's why it is called zenagama taylori it has a it's so it mainly eats insects it's insectivorous insectivorous uh, but it'll also eat grass and as well as local fruits and berries uh finding out what its diet is is really easy but finding out what its diet is in the wild is really hard because people are like yeah it eats mealworms it doesn't eat mealworms in somalia <laughs> but it probably does eat bugs and yeah in, it, it insects. eats insects that it can find arthropods uh, males tend and and but it puts some fruits and berries in its diet it's well-rounded um males tend to hang out in with a small harem of two to five females and um that's basically all I got. There's really not a lot of information on these guys doing things in the wild. In fact, I couldn't even find their conservation status. It was just everything was just how to take care of them. And surprise, surprise, when you put them in a terrarium, they sit there and do nothing. So getting their, getting information on the behavior was tough. But there is, I'm sure the major fact will illuminate some of the dark corners of this of this animal's uh, internet footprint. <laughs> well, it does tell us what it does to maintain its life in a dark corner. So I'm calling the major fact the Aegis Posterior. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> the Shield uh, of the Aegis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Shield-Tailed Agama has a rear that's unlike most reptiles, which is why I thought surely we will be taught this will be all the rage at the water coolers of science. Mm -hmm. Because instead of a long scaly tail, their butts end in a spiky ball or like a sometimes a flattened spiky bell thing shaped thing. So the this round spike ball right behind their back legs is about the width of their heads. Uh, and they also have a small tail that emerges from the back of the spike ball. 
but it's clear that it's not their behind's main attraction. Uh, the lizard lives in flat, arid regions, so that means there isn't much in the way of uh, rocks, sidewalk cracks, and logs to hide underneath. Um, so they'll dig shallow burrows in the soil and then dart into them uh, headfirst when they're disturbed. But following the lizard into the burrow is something that certain animals of the desert can do, like snakes, other lizards, uh, maybe birds with long beaks. Um, but following uh, these guys into their burrows is probably a bad idea. The Agama's psyche, I said, <laughs> spiky tail uh, plugs the tunnel behind them, allowing the lizard to cover its own six. It nice. watches its own butt. So at night, they'll sleep at the entrance to their burrows with their tails blocking the opening. So if, you, if you're in a gamma territory and you look down and there's like the, the earth is pockmarked and you're walking at night and you shine a light on it, you're going to see like little spiky hatches over these holes. Kind of like a trapdoor spider. Yeah, only they're using their own butt. Yeah. Huh. And they don't eat the butt? It's spiky. It's hard to do. Huh. I'm sure a, a big enough I, bird can If I had a beak, I wouldn't care guys. very much about spikes. No. But if you're a snake that's yeah. small enough to fit into the hole, they it might be difficult. Now, I was also thinking, like, I didn't read this, but if you look at them, I forget what animal it was that we talked about how it has something on its butt that looks like its head. And that's intentional so that, like, predators might mistake its butt for its head and go after its head, which is a non-vital part of it. Of so, its butt. as it's, if after, as you go targeting the lizard's oh, butt. Oh, oh, it it's, um, oh, is that amphibious snake thing? Uh, it's like it starts with a C. It's like a Sicilian or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a Sicilian. I think it is. I think it is Sicilian. Yeah, we made we drew attention to what that sounds like. Um, but yeah, it has its head looks exactly like its its hindquarters, so you can't really can't really tell what you're attacking. Yeah, Sicilian. Sicilian, yeah. Um, and I could see that being a potential benefit to having a shield tail like that. Because it's the same, almost the same size as its head. Yeah. It's much spikier. It's kind of obvious that it's not its head, though. Unless you're a dumb bird. It's obvious to me. A human. <laughs> a really smart human. Very, very, very intelligent man. Um, oh, yeah. These are really weird looking lizards. When I looked it up, I was like, whoa, how did I not know this existed? Because nobody cares about it. <laughs> They care about it to keep it as a pet, I guess. Yeah, that's what I. That's what we were talking about before. It's like nobody wants to learn about it; they just want to have it. Well, like same with bearded dragons. Everybody's got a bearded dragon, but I know what that is. I've seen pictures of it. I feel like this I one people take that had one center stage here because it looks like a bearded dragon. If its tail was this just spade-shaped lump of spines, yeah. And it's so that's why I called it the lopsided lizard because it just looks it looks like a normal lizard, but just it's been cut off from its people. Yeah, if at first glance it looks like something terrible happened. Yeah, it looks like a deformity. 
But nope, it's right. It's right as rain. It's better than right as rain because it gets to close Live. off its its, it's a escape hatch. <laughs> I'm just looking at a picture of it. It looks really cheeky. Spiky cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Is that all that's I got? all I got. Go when when you're not driving anymore. Look at pictures. Shield tailed a gum. Yeah, or Taylor Strange a gum. Uh, but yeah, that's the that's shield tailed a gum for you. Uh, for, for what? Shield tailed Agamemnon. Agamemnon, yes. Oh, Agamemnon. He's like the Greek, the king of the Greeks during the Battle of Troy, right? Or am I thinking of something else? Is Agamemnon biblical? I think you're right. Nope. Oh, yep. He is the um, he is the king of the Greeks in in uh, the Iliad. All right. Yeah, that was the shield tailed Agamemnon. <laughs> So for you out there in Podcastia, regulate your temperature, keep your blue chin up, and always use your turnip-shaped bum to shut the front door, like the shield-tailed Agama here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. podcast (laughs) (laughs) don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out (laughs) don't let the butt door hit your butt on the way out don't let the butt be the door on the way out if you look at a picture of him with his blue he looks like he just had a uh, a popsicle or something yeah like a slushy and that just spilled all over his face he's so (laughs) bad at slushies He's got a drinking problem. Like from airplane? Yeah.